I'm excited though. We begin a new series today called Greater Reward. Greater Reward. And I was on uh, the treadmill yesterday. I lie, not the treadmill, the elliptical yesterday. I was thinking about this series kicking off and I was thinking about this, thinking about this concept of greater reward. How many of you know some things are just worth perseverance? Some things are just worth the effort. Some things are just worth the sacrifice and the energy that's involved. And um, there's a, because there's a greater reward. How many of you know uh, sometimes you can, you can save a little bit and then just spend it? Or you can save a little bit, save a little bit, save a little bit, save a little bit, invest that baby, get some insurance, not insurance, interest going and see it multiply, multiply. Same is true for us spiritually. That we're on a journey, that we want to be disciplined, focused, and full of self-control. Well, anyhow, you're like, wow, you think a lot on the elliptical machine. Um, (laughs) That wasn't what I was thinking about. What I was thinking about, though, was my high school sports years. Come on, any of you ever just dream a little? You just go back. You remember when you thought you were going to play professional sports? Come on. I'm alone. Come on. Somebody somebody else with me. And how quickly that dream died? No. But <laughs> I remember, I was just re- reflecting on, on, on some of uh, the, the high school sports. Now, for me, in Seymour, Indiana back then, for me, my high school sport was high school soccer. It's the one sport I just longed for. I loved it. Um, academically, I faced senioritis as a freshman, but soccer kept me going through it all. Glory be to God. I loved high school. I loved high school sports. And I loved the highs, the lows, the wins, sometimes even the losses. Sometimes even when I was to blame, it's all part of the battle, all part of the sport, you know, just embracing it all. But there is one portion of high school sports I never enjoyed, and it is called preseason. I hated preseason with a passion. You see, for me... High school summers were for working a little bit, having fun, hanging with with my friends and enjoying, at that time, enjoying church, enjoying camps and trips and all these sorts of things. Also, my parents were out of the house in the morning time for some of it. High school summers for me were Bob Barker (laughs) and Priceline, baby. I was addicted. Price is right. Yeah, not Priceline. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, forgive my game today. I'll bring it next week. Price is right. And all the food and all the snacks. And I'll never forget, man, every year, every year, I was dumbfounded when preseason for soccer would start. I was like, I knew it was coming. I knew all that it entailed. And yet, I did nothing. I'm never ready for preseason. And the two-a-days and all the running. I remember my senior year was the absolute worst. We had a new coach. And that just changes everything. And we, would sh- we showed up, and he said, hey, guys, we're not even going to use the ball for the first morning practices. And I said, do you know what sport this is? <laughs> because soccer requires a ball. He's like, I know. You're not going to see it. You're not going to touch a ball. And all it was was running and running and running. Because here's the kicker. The coach could see what was needed in the middle of the season and at the end of the season. I was oblivious to it. I had no idea how much fitness was really going to play a part in us being successful or unsuccessful. 
All I knew is I just wanted to hang with my friends and pass the time. But he knew what discipline, what self-control, what (laughs) dropping 20 pounds from that summer weight could do for the middle of the season, for the end of the season. He knew that there was a greater reward than what I was experiencing in that moment. That ties in well with the series because um, speaking to you today, for some of you being your pastor, my prayer is that you are ready for the situations in life, for the circumstances in life. And we are in a culture and in a climate that proposes to us that everything can come easy, it can come quick, and your reward can happen in this moment. When all throughout the scriptures we see Paul, especially in his letters, encouraging us, inviting us, and at times challenging us, keeping in mind what's called the greater reward. In fact, 1 Timothy, can we bring up that passage? 1 Timothy 4.8. The Apostle Paul, he would say this, for physical training is of what? Some value. I mean, it's got a purpose. It's helpful, but godliness has value for all things. Let that just sink into your spirit today. Godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Think of that, that that godliness, it holds great value in the kingdom of God. In fact, the big idea is it's going to blow your mind. (laughs) Godliness is a greater reward than ungodliness. Like, Thank you, Captain Obvious. But it's true. There is a joy to serving Christ, to living according to His ways, not compelled by our own will, compelled by our own desire. Believe it or not, there's a blessing in self-control and walking towards Christ on a daily basis, walking towards Him in godliness. As I was preparing, prepare all week, but especially this morning, I was reminded of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. The writer encourages, we can, I was going to say, I don't think I got these in on time. So Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I'll read them for you. It says, therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12 one and two. Think on that. The writer of the Hebrews is encouraging the people, pursue godliness. Now, we don't know precisely who the author of the book of Hebrews were, but we are aware of the audience. The audience was primarily Jewish. They were primarily uh, followers of that tradition. And so they were getting many things right simply because of the family they were born into. But they were coming under grave persecution. They were hitting some difficult circumstances. And things weren't as easy or as rosy as they were hoping for. And in Hebrews 11, the, the letter is encouraging them. The ground you take is taken by faith. The ground you take is taken by 
faith. The ground you take is taken by faith. And they list person upon person upon person upon person. Great women and great men of faith. That's all of Hebrews 11. And then they do the nice pastoral sneak attack. In Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by this incredible cloud of witnesses, we're looking up, Abraham. We're looking left, Sarah. We're looking there, and there's Esther. Oh, my goodness. There's Daniel. You know, this, this followers of the fathers and mothers of our faith says, Therefore, therefore, we, we must throw off. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles. We, we've got to lay aside, lay aside the weight that so easily can carry us down. And so, for the next several weeks... We're going to talk about your favorite topic, everybody, godliness. We're going to talk about how vital it is that on the journey, whether you're starting or whether you haven't started yet in your relationship with God, in your journey with God, there is greater reward for keeping your eyes on Christ and pursuing his ways in every area of your life. And so here's what I know about everybody in here. Here's what I know. You have a revelation. God loves me. That's the starting place. How many of you are just so grateful for the love of God? Let's think of that. Think of that. We've just sung about that, ministered through that. I've just received that. Earlier this morning, I was just receiving it into my mind, pushing pause on the distractions of life and just reminding myself how loved I am by God. How loved I am. And I also have learned over the years to walk in another realm of awareness. God loves me. Therefore, I love God. Before the Christian, there are those two transactions at play perpetually. Godliness is my response to the love of God. Grace always had a response. Always had a, had a response throughout Scripture. As Jesus touched people, changed their life, there was always a response. What is that response rooted in is? The love of God. I'm receiving it. I'm renewing my identity. I'm being transformed. But here's my response. Here's, here's what you can notice. I love God. How do you love God? Well, my faith's got some work, somebody. The brother of Jesus says, without faith or without works, faith is what? Dead. Never by the lie. Never by the lie. That fruit isn't at work in your life. The kingdom of God is having an impact on how you speak, how you treat, how you operate in your workplace, in your relationships. Godliness is a greater reward it's a greater reward in our lives and so i think about this i'm thinking about this series i want to equip you we want to encourage you with our best response our best response these 11 years josh was sharing this testimony 11 years ago isn't that incredible saving grace of god 11 years ago set free and saved you heard him say man there's been ups there's been downs it hasn't always been perfect Man, that's our journey, is it not? Not a one of us got it fixed in the first day. 
But we kept moving forward. We kept walking. We kept having a response. Man, God's love compels me. Therefore, I love God. Can we bring that picture up? Just in case you, you didn't get it, I want to show you that little diagram. God loves me is grace. I love God is what? Godliness. Godliness. Never mix up the two. <laughs> grace that's coming at you, there's not a thing you can do about it. There's nothing you get, there's no sin you can do. There's no past you can bring to the table that God's like, mm, not sure about them. No. Grace is like an avalanche, avalanche, you know? It's just, you ever see those videos? The guy's just skiing down the slope, and boy, some ram tooted or something, and the avalanche started. Y'all know what I mean? <laughs> I think I. There's a rabbit trail tempting me, but we're not going there. So you saw this avalanche just coming down, unbeknownst to the skier, and you know, he's just overtaken. It's, a, it's an avalanche of God's grace, right? In our darkest moment, in our weakest place, when our back was against the wall, man, when we are dripping, if you will, from the consequences of our wrongdoing. That's where grace catches us. It's where we meet the power of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. And, and we, we maybe fumble into it and say, of course Jesus is king. We have no idea how much of a king he is. But here's what we know. When we receive that grace, we walk in that grace. It begins to have a response. And that response, very simply, is what we call godliness. And it's, and it's, it's, it's not something we can will. We can't just... You know what? I think I'm going to be godly today. I encourage you to have that thought. But you're going to need the Holy Spirit. And Paul, just as much as you say, hey, be godly. Walk in godliness. He's like, be filled with the Spirit, baby. You're going to need the Spirit. You're going to need them. Like, we know what you look like without the Spirit. You're going to need the Spirit. Because we stay in step. It's a strange tension. But it's that grace and through the Holy Spirit, I'm empowered for godliness. And through that godliness, we begin to transform the, the world around us. And listen, even if you're not spiritual, you know that godliness leads to blessing. In the marketplace, I was listening to a John Maxwell leadership podcast, and so he does this little talk, and then a couple of his staff members unpack it. And these staff members shared this incredible statistic. Actually, it was, it was based off of something John Maxwell had said. They had done a survey in the United States, and this is dated, so this is several years ago. They did a survey, think of this, not in the church, but amongst 1,300 CEOs. They did a survey of characteristics, qualities that their employees would have if they desired to be promoted. Remarkable statistic is that in the top 15 needed characteristics for employees, integrity, integrity was on almost, in fact, not almost, it was on all of them. And on 79% of those 1,300 CEOs, integrity was number one. It's a remarkable level of influence. That it's just a byproduct of Christ-likeness in our, in our life. Is that integrity would be part of that. 
Isn't it remarkable that here's what I'm saying? Here's what I'm saying. Even the outside world is watching. Even those who want nothing to do with Christ, they got their eyes on you. And seeing, not perfection. No, 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 no. Not perfection, but perseverance. Not perfection. Perseverance. This is going to be real deep, real deep for a moment. I say that tongue-in-cheek. But one of the greatest marks of Christ followers is that they just keep getting back up. Keep getting back up. It's one of the keys to our walk with God. I mean, God, God knows what he's into. I saw a funny meme. <laughs> you know, it's always helpful to share memes in church. I saw this, saw this funny meme, and it's got this guy with this funny face. And it's like, man, it's so comforting to know God factored in the amount of stupidity in my life when he called me by grace. I mean, isn't that a comforting thought? That God knew. God, God doesn't look at you. And demand perfection. No, 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 no. He calls you and leads you lovingly into that. But, but how we partner with that is, is by being intentional, by being focused and never losing sight. We don't want to be, <clears throat> right? We, we don't want to be people who just throw the grace under the car, you know, just drive over it perpetually, just every day. No, 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 no. Paul would say, well, after receiving this grace, does that mean we can just Sin all we want? I won't use the Greek translation. I'll just use the NIV kind translation. By no means. Paul says, by no means. We're to, we're to seek. It's, it's in fact interesting as I was reading some of the New Testament letters. These guys were obsessed. Everybody say obsessed. One, two, three. Obsessed. They were obsessed with godliness. It's kind of intimidating. They were obsessed. Like Paul's writing about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, the love of the, you know, it's like the love of the Father and the love of the Spirit. And you just, I'm just caught up in it. And he's like, therefore, godliness. Don't live the old way. Live the new way. Throw off the old man. Put on the new man. And it sounds to me like we have a part to play in that. In fact, here's a couple of highlights since you were so eager. I saw your faces. Here's a couple of the New Testament letters, just a portion. First Peter, I was reading First Peter earlier this week and last week. And First Peter, you know Peter, he made some crazy mistakes, y'all. But he kept getting back up, kept getting back up. I mean, he did the ultimate denial of Christ. It is so comforting. You need comfort today. Just look up some of Jesus' closest friends. <laughs> You're going to feel good. I'm not that bad. <laughs> Anyhow, Peter's denial upon denial upon denial three times. I don't know the man. Jesus who? I don't know. I don't know. No. God was so faithful to restore him, to restore him, restore him on that beachfront, breakfast cooking. Jesus comes up and says, man, you love me. You know that I love you. You know those three times. What is that? That's a pattern of restoration. You know, God is so faithful to restore us. And Peter's writing years later, and guess what? The places he's writing, they also persecuted. Persecuted for their faith. Peter's writing, therefore, you all going to like this, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope 
fully upon the what? Grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. Peter's like, look, we've all been there. 15, though. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Ephesians. Glad you asked. Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of who? Yeah. You're both right. Be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us, given himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, I feel convicted, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man, or woman, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, we'll go way back. We'll throw this one back. Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the... Just kidding, read that wrong. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit. In its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, whatever he does shall prosper. Our best response to God's grace, godliness. It's our best response. We should think about this week your response to God's grace. To God loves me. That's your starting place. If you're new to the faith, new to the church, and, and man, you, you, you don't know much about God, you just settle your heart on. God loves me. You have to, have to be rooted. I'll even go as far as to say most of the sin in our lives is because we lack knowledge of how much God loves us. We're seeking identity in all sorts of things. We've got FOMO. We've got the fear of missing out, so we're, we're jumping ahead on all sorts of things. But when we have a revelation of God's love for us, we're patient. We don't even have to pray for patience, somebody. We just, the Lord begins to move in our lives. And so our best response to God's grace is godliness. But I know when I talk about this, there's a tension. It's kind of the unspoken elephant in the room. I hinted at it earlier because there, there are some streams, there are some streams within the faith, within Christianity, that say, man, godliness is really take it or leave it. You know, being transformed into Christ's likeness, eh, it's like, you know, that's for the super spiritual. Oh, really? Being a person of character, you know, it's whatever. It's kind of like a Subway sandwich. Meh. <laughs> I've had worse, definitely had better. I mean, I don't care how many celebrities you put on the commercial, you are not convincing me. It's like, oh, a new sauce. Hmm. <laughs> All right, I'm kidding. Don't think so. But it's, but it's, but it's, but it's a tension. Listen, here's the tension. Sometimes when it comes to godliness, we get a little uneasy. 
go, I don't know. Can I, do, I, do I really need to be godly? Yeah, you really do. <laughs> you do. You need to grow in Christ. And here's one of the biggest lies of the enemy. He's going to talk you out of it with this word, perfection. So I want you to settle something in your spirit today. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, the word holy means set apart. So whether you came in today with all sorts of regrets from last night or the night before, irrespective of that, if you've received Christ, you're holy. It's irrespective. Like, it sits over here. Its understanding is to be set apart. Another portion of Ephesians, Paul's writing the letter. He's talking about to be imitators, yes, but also we've received this grace for free that no one can boast. And here it is. We've been set apart for good works that Christ knew in advance for us to do. And in that whole context, he calls us a masterpiece of God. It's beautiful. God's not confused. He doesn't see you by your mistake. He really doesn't. He sees you through the forgiveness and the mercy of God. I mean, he's not having to reconvince himself. Oh, whew, Paul's up again. I guess we'll love him. No, he's fully convinced, fully convinced. But I remember in my, in, in, in some of this tension that was in my mind in my teenage years, young adult years, and, and you just, come on. I don't know if anybody you U.S. every Wednesday night at youth group, you went down to the altar to get saved. You ever had that? Any of you recovering? You, you, you were addicted to, well, we're all addicted to salvation, but I think, man, we go to revival. I was at the altar. I'm like, I don't, and there may have been a sin from 50 years ago. I don't even know about it. I'm just going to go just in case. And it's just kind of, I don't know where I'm standing with the Lord. No, no, no. Know where you're standing with the Lord. Fully forgiven. Past, present, future. Jesus has no plans to get back up on the cross. That's also in the book of Hebrews. Once and for all. God loves me. Therefore, I love God. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to persevere. Uh, it may be helpful. I like John Ortberg. I didn't plan on this. He's got a great book, The Me I Want to Be. He's got a great book, The Me I Want to Be. I got like three or four chapters in, and it was great. Didn't finish it, those of you already planning on buying it. But I love the premise of the book. It's this reality that all of us battle. None of us necessarily are all battling with the same area in our life, the same temptations, the same struggles. But one thing is guaranteed. There is an area of struggle. There's an arena that we are, are if you will, working through. And it's helpful to identify what that is and become aware of it and to begin to set up parameters in your life so that the temptation becomes more and more distant. And we're going to talk about that in the, the, the forthcoming weeks. But Paul, let me get back to it. Galatians, how do we do this? I'm glad you asked. We do this by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 16. So I say, walk by the and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I had to learn that the Holy Spirit is available to me while I'm driving. 
He's available. So slow down. I can speed up. I can refrain from words. I can refrain from looks. I can keep both hands on the steering wheel, somebody. When I stay in step with the Spirit. Holy Spirit's in your workplace. You're like, no, he's not. <laughs> yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. You go there. The Holy Spirit's inside of you. You go there and listen and listen. As we stay in step with the Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, we do not gratify the desires of the flesh. But then there's this tension. You're like, I know I love Jesus. I know I'm making some steps forward. But, man, sometimes that flesh looks good. I participate in it. That's fine. Here's your three-step plan. Repent. Confess. Get back up. Keep persevering. Keep persevering. Make a mistake. Keep going forward. Keep moving forward. Here's a, here's a little bit of the journey. Walking by the Spirit. And we'll break it down. Very simple for you. Can we bring up that image? Daily choices. I'm not insulting your intelligence. I know you know this, but I'm just putting this here. Daily choices form habits. Habits form godliness. Godliness becomes Christ-likeness. Never be too old to learn new tricks. You know, you can't, what is it? You can't teach an old dog new tricks? No. That's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. You may be spiritually mature. Listen, you can continue. You can continue. You can continue. In Christ's likeness, you may be, listen, you may be uh, 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 one of the fathers or mothers in the faith in here. We need you. We need you. We need you choosing godliness. We need you. Staying passionate. Staying on fire for the Lord. Being excited about the things of the Lord. We, we need that. We model that. And it, and it begins to fall through in our lives. Daily choices form habits. Habits form godliness. Godliness becomes Christ-likeness. Galatians 5, Paul goes on a few verses later. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness. And then these two words, what? Self-control. Against such things there is no law. That is what is called an important statement by Paul. Because the law is important. Sometimes we get into Christianity where it's like, man, that doesn't matter. That's Old Testament. I'm free to be me. Yes. <laughs> do you that's in Christ, we okay with you being free. <laughs> do you that do you from the old man? Nah. Paul is. Paul is saying, listen, the law no longer has the weight of the work of the Spirit in your life. And as we are deeply rooted in Christ and formed in godliness, we can love others well. We can be gentle. We can be kind. We can be people that are full of self-control. And we've got to be so patient. We've got to be so patient with one another, so patient on this journey, so full of grace, so full of mercy. Our, our, our heart is to be a church that's like not pointing you out, not calling you out, but you know it, calling you up. 
So many church cultures, man, it's a religion-based. It's a, oh, man, pointing at you, calling you down, calling you out. Wouldn't it be, I believe Christ called people up. He perpetually, he was obsessed with doing the will of the Father and the Father's heartbeat to all of the people was to call them up, to let them know, man, you've been set apart. You have a purpose. You have a plan. That dream, it's not just some random idea from pizza you had. It's, it's a purpose. It's a vision. It's a day-by-day living. You have best days, good days ahead. I'm calling you up. You see, Jesus, everywhere he went, I'm thinking about, as I close, I'm thinking about two people in particular. I'm thinking about Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene in the book of Luke, as it first brings her up in the, in the gospel story of Luke. I mean, it's amazing. It's like Mary of Magdala, who Jesus delivered of seven demons. I was like, yeah, that's about right. Seven, give or take a few. It's about the average, isn't it? We have to be delivered of some things, Amen. Think about Mary, Mary Magdalene. She wasn't just saved, man, God, this is good, and I'm going to go back. She was a very wealthy, by some accounts, a wealthy businesswoman who helped fund Jesus' ministry along with some others. What was she doing? She persevered into godliness. She persevered into godliness. And here's what's remarkable. At the end of the story, at least the end of the, the life of Jesus, after he passes away, guess what? Mary's at the tomb. It's just a sign. What's it a sign? It's a sign of the transformation that God can do in your life and in my life. And it invites us. Here's what it does. It invites us. Invites us into that level of relationship with God. God, why am I here? What have you created me for? What is the meta-narrative, the overarching vision you have for my life? Not, what do I want? Not, what is my will? But once you recognize and receive the grace of God, you know, like Mary Magdalene, you're like, you know what? I don't care about what was. I've been saved. I've been set free. There's There's no other way to go. There's no other way to live. Not only am I thinking about Mary Magdalene, but I'm bringing that guy up again, Peter. My goodness. On one of Peter's better days, when his foot was out of his mouth, Jesus, feeding the crowds, and food was a, a commodity back then, and so they're gathering. This thing is gathering momentum, you know, the band's playing all the hits. <laughs> you got the disciples cheering him on. There's like, you know, I don't know. I was going to say something funny, but I'm not because it was politically real. It was like a big rally, okay? And the disciples are there with all the signs. You familiar with rallies that politicians do? All right, just that. Nothing more, nothing less. All right, so everything, the band's playing, everything's in. You know, it's like, it's like the chopper's out back, and the, the, the noise is going. It's like all the energy's in the room. And, and Peter, James, and John, they're like, man, this is great, Jesus. Or, you know, they're like, free, free fish, free bread, you know? And everything's at a fever pitch. And then Jesus says, hey, 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 to follow me, you must 
eat of my flesh. And they're like, oh no, he just went rogue. Point to the teleprompters. He's going maverick again. My God, save this man. Peter's like, he's going to say it. He's going to say it. And so he said, team, you have to eat my flesh. And, and the crowd's like, ooh, mm, this, is, this is strange. And then, and then they're like, cut the mic. And he goes, and you have to drink my blood. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> mute, mute. But it's too late. And the crowds, man, they just start running away. It's so strange, right? You're like, just keep it going. Jesus is like, nah, we got some fake-hearted people in here. Let's, let's man, let's pull them up higher. Let's, let's not call them out. Let's call them up higher. They're like, no, we good, man. We love the crowd. Let's, let's not call them up higher. Let's just keep it casual, Jesus. Let's keep it like a Subway sandwich. Anyhow. It messes with Jesus' soul. Remember, he's fully God and fully human. But that messed with his soul. Because people he has fed, some that he's healed, some that he's saved, and he's bringing them into the kingdom, showing them the generosity of God's love. They're thrown by the statement. Just basically take up your cross and follow me. They're like, ooh, whoa, 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 whoa. And it reaches a point that Jesus, there's, you, can, you can read it, John 6. It's easy to remember. John 6, 66. 666. All right, you got it. You're going to, all right, John 6. But Jesus looks. It's one of the most moving passages. He looks at, he looks at them and he says, hey, hey, are you guys going to leave as well? Are you getting ready to roll? Peter looks and he says, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we got, we got nothing, nowhere else there. And Jesus is like, whew, all right, let's move. I, I don't know that he did that. I know I would have done that. That is the essence of godliness. Say, so well, what is Godliness. Godliness is pursuing Jesus' words even when, they're, when it's hard. Even when, even when it's counter the desires of our flesh. But when it means waiting. When it means withdrawing. When it means not participating. Because deep down, you know, there's a greater reward for righteousness and godly living. So I want to encourage you. I really do. My heart is to encourage you in this series. Stick around. <laughs> Join us in this journey. We'll be looking at some other areas of our life and how God, He's not about just calling you out. That's not His Spirit. His Holy Spirit, He's about calling us up into all that He's created us. To be. And I'm convinced that in this journey, here's what's going to happen. We're going to step into another uh, level, if you will, of our God-given destiny. Who he's called us to be, how he's wired us. I like how Andy Stanley puts it. He's, he, he's so kind as a pastor. I mean, he just, he just really is. He's like, live with fewer 
regrets. Like, who doesn't want that? I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. He doesn't tell you how painful it is. I'm just like, oh, live with fewer regrets. Absolutely. I'm in. In essence, that's what Jesus is saying. In essence, that's what the Jewish people knew. God, you've set me apart as I walk and live according and stay in your spirit. My life is transformed and moves forward with less regret.